Brother Rajiv. Very good evening to each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles with you, please, if you could turn to Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be reading from verse 11. And uh, I'll ask our brother Dean if he wouldn't mind uh, reading this portion for us. Judges chapter 6, uh, if you could read from 11 to 24, brother. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 24. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrezite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from me here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on, the ro on this rock and pour out the broth, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and the fire out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is my peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Aborizites. Thank you. <clears throat> Gideon seemed uh, a very unlikely candidate for Christian service. In verse 25, you would see that he came from a family that was Baal worshippers. His father uh, uh, was worshipping Baal. In verse 15, you will see that his family was among the poorest of that region. Now, uh, of his own confession, he was of little pedigree. He was of no consequence. Uh, so why 
would God choose a man like him? You see, religiously, re, uh, religion, socially, um, uh, he had nothing going for him. Uh, but you see, God's choice is independent of human thinking. God's choice is different to what we think. You see, God used a man called Isaiah, who was happily married to a prophetess. God used Hosea, whose uh, marriage was fragile. Could we have the first slide up, brother? God used Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a young bachelor. God used Ezekiel, who was a widower during his ministry. God chose Daniel. Daniel was a prince. God chose Amos. Amos was a herdsman. God commissioned Peter. Peter was an ignorant and unlearned man, scripture tells us. You see, uh, Paul, he was schooled at the feet of Gamaliel. So these men were all different, different as to their marital status, their social standing, their educational background, yet God used all of them. You see, whatever your background is, whatever your status is, it does not qualify you or disqualify you from service for God. So see yourself as having potential for service for God. He can use you if you are willing. Gideon was of no consequence. He was from the poorest family. He was from a family of Baal worshippers. But God chose him, and he can choose you too. Now, as with others through scripture, Gideon was busy when God called him. You notice in verse 11 that Gideon was threshing wheat by the winepress. You see, God calls busy people. God does not use the lazy. Moses, he was looking after sheep when God called him. Elijah, he was, Elisha was plowing. Uh, Simon and Andrew, they were also busy. They were casting their nets when God called them. You see, all these people, over and over again in Scripture, we see that God calls busy people. Gideon was threshing wheat, and he was threshing wheat in a secretive way to hide it from the Midianites, we see in verse 11. Now, remember, Midian means strife we saw yesterday. And we also saw that strife deprives God's people of food. We saw that yesterday we learned from no sustenance. And uh, you see, it is necessary for believers uh, to read, to meditate, to study for themselves from God's word and extract food for themselves. So Gideon here, even though it was a time when there was no food available, no sustenance, yet he was threshing to get food. 
Let us also be people who are always wanting food from the word of God. You see, um, in Psalm 81.16, it says that fed with the finest of wheat. You see, Gideon was not threshing barley, which is the inferior. He was threshing wheat, which was the finest thing. He was looking for the best quality food. My brother, my sister, it would be wonderful if you too search for the best quality food and that is found in the word of God. In 1 Peter 2.2, it tells us, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. That is my prayer for each and every one of you here this evening. Now, uh, in verse 12, we see the, the angel appears. Now, I want you to notice that Gideon seemed unconcerned by the appearance of the angel. You notice he's straight away into his conversation and he's talking normally when the angel appears. There is no sense of terror as we see with others in the Bible when the angel appears. So was it because he was familiar with divine presence and he was comfortable when God drew near? I think so. He shows no sense of fear here when the angel appears. What a contrast to Adam. He tried to hide when God appeared. Do you remember that? Let us be those that abide in the vine, living in close fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So it could be said of us like it was said of Caleb in Joshua 14, verse 14. He wholly followed the Lord. Holy. You see, Gideon wholly followed the Lord, so he was comfortable in the presence of God. When the angel appeared, it was no surprise to him. He was talking with the angel like normal. Next, I want you to notice that in verse 12, the angel says to him, the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. You see, anyone who did anything for God went forth with the assurance that his presence was with them. You see that over and over again in scripture. Nothing else is necessary. Nothing else will su suffice. If God is with us, that is all that we need. Examples uh, in scripture are far too numerous for me to list. But uh, among those who had the promise of God's presence was Moses, his successor Joshua. Uh, Joshua said in Joshua 1.5, uh, or God said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You see, over and over again, God tells his children, I will be with thee. You see, let us be encouraged by this because these old promises apply to us as well. Uh, even in the New Testament, you would see these promises. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he says, Lo, I am with you always. So it still applies to us today. When you go out in your service for God to do things for God, 
hold on to that promise that he is with you. Paul enjoyed uh, this uh, promise when he was serving at Corinth. In Acts 18 verse 10, uh, God said, I am with thee. And then when Paul was alone and seeking solitude, when others had abandoned him, in 2 Timothy 4 verses 16 and 17, he says, the Lord stood with me. Over and over again, God's people who were serving him felt their presence. So in public service, in personal trials, his presence, it empowers us and it heartens us. The only person who did not feel the presence of God was the Lord Jesus himself. He was the only one who accomplished a work for God without any sense of divine support um, or consolation. He said in Matthew 27 verse 46, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But we, we need divine presence with us if we are to achieve anything for God. Next, I want you to notice that in uh, Gideon was uh, pessimistic in verse 13. Uh, in verse 12, the angel comes and says, the Lord is with thee. Uh, but you see to Gideon, the promise of God's presence seemed inconsistent with the reality of the present situation. Here he was, they were facing no food, no sheep, no oxen, no asses, all these things. So uh, he was um, feeling a little bit depressed. And he was right because, you see, he says in verse 13 that the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midian. The Lord delivered us. If you look at verse 1, he was right. It was the Lord that took them or placed them into the hand of Midian. Now, uh, we see here that Gideon goes on to, in verse 13, make a little speech there to the angel of the Lord, uh, voicing his discontent. He says, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? He's upset. Why is he upset? Why is Gideon um, uh, voicing these things to the angel? Well, the reason is that he misunderstood what the angel told him. You see, if you look very carefully at your Bible, you will see that in verse 12, the angel's words were, the Lord is with thee. He uses the word thee. That means Gideon only. But in verse 13, Gideon says, repeats the thing, and he says, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us. He uses the word us. The angel didn't say that uh, the Lord was with the whole of Israel. He used a singular word. He said thee. Gideon misinterpreted it, and he said, if the Lord be with us. You see, here was a situation when God was with, wasn't with the whole people. He was only going to be with this particular man. You see, um, generally, the children of Israel had still not experienced restoration despite their cries in verse 7. They cried out unto the Lord. And so, you see, there are occasions 
when God makes pleas to individuals, he is not appealing to everyone. When the Lord appealed to the assembly at Laodicea in Revelation 3.20, he said, if any man hear my voice, he was looking for the one or the two who would hear his voice, not the entire company. My brother, my sister, are you willing to be that one person that God is searching for? Are you willing to be available for him when he comes looking? Despite the prevailing conditions of that time, God was only selecting this one man. He was looking for a thee. Gideon mistakenly thought it was us, and he then made this little speech in verse 13. Next, I want you to notice this. Uh, you notice that in his commission, uh, in this passage, we detect that a person described as the angel of the Lord is actually the Lord himself. In verse 12, it says the angel of the Lord. But uh, if you look at verse 14, uh, it says the Lord looked upon him. In verse 16, and the Lord said unto him. You see, uh, context always determines whether the angel of the Lord is a literal angel or whether it is the Lord himself. In this case, it was not an angel. It was the Lord himself appearing to Gideon. Then next, in verse 14, I would like you to notice that the Lord looked upon him and said, go. You see the word go there. Now this word go is liberally sprinkled throughout the Bible. I can get you many examples, but I will just give you uh, two. When told to go, Jonah, he rose up and he fled. It tells us in Jonah 1.3. Philip was also given that command, go. What did Philip do? In Acts 8.27 it says, he arose and went. My brother, my sister, are you a Jonah or are you a Philip? When the command comes to go and do something for the Lord, are you somebody who would rise up and flee in the opposite direction? Or are you someone who would go and do it like Philip did? May us, may, let us be people that are willing to go and do things for our God. We do not have the luxury of hearing an audible voice like Gideon did, but let us be confident that we have the authority, we have the power uh, for service, and our mandate is the word of God. Amen. Next, I want you to notice that Gideon was a realist. He was, from a human standpoint, he realized that saving Israel was a formidable thing. It was a tall order. You see, he was aware of his humble origins. We see this in verse 15. And that is why you see his reluctance. But you notice from his excuses that they are not detailed or they are not as determined as Moses' excuses. In Exodus 3 and 4, you see that Moses gave a long 
a list of excuses why he wasn't suitable. Let us be ready and willing to serve God when he comes and calls us. Let us be without excuses. When God asks you to do something, when your elders uh, ask you to do something to serve God, be ready and prepared to serve God. In Isaiah uh, chapter 6, verse 8, we see how ready Isaiah was when God called him. He said, whom shall I send? Here I am. Send me. He was volunteering. He was ready. Let us be ready Christians, ready to serve God. Uh, it would be wonderful if we are available like Isaiah was ready. Do you remember uh, Mary? When the angel came down and said to her, that she would be the mother of the Son of God. What was Mary's words that she said? Luke 1, 38. Be it to me according to thy word. Whatever you wish, I will do it. Let us be people who are similarly available for God to use. It was good that Gideon was aware of his insignificance. You see, when we feel important, um, we forfeit divine favor and power. Let us not be people who are proud, boastful, saying, I can do it, uh, and things like that. Gideon, he was aware of his insignificance, and uh, his slight reluctance uh, had failed to take into account that he had the backing from heaven. So never forget this in your service. It is better to be like Gideon than to be like, say, Peter. Peter, you remember, he said he would never, he would never fail the Lord. And over and over again, he denied him. Let us be humble people. A slight reluctant attitude like Gideon had was a good thing. Then next, I want you to uh, move on to verse 17. Uh, here we see that Gideon seems to need constant reassurance. And so here, uh, and later we see him asking for a sign. And God is very gracious, and he gives him a sign. But together with this request for a sign, you notice here that Gideon was desiring to bring God a present in verse 18. Now, uh, in some versions it says present, in some versions it says offering, because Gideon wanted to bring God an offering before he started his service. Before he commenced his service, he wanted to worship God. Very, very important principle throughout the Bible, we see it over and over again, worship before service. You see, uh, uh, we need to remember that worship should be a priority for us at all times. Uh, the details of his offering hold lessons for us. At a time of shortage and famine, what Gideon was willing to offer to God in offering was extremely costly. Because what was it that he was offering? He was giving food as his worship. 
And remember, there was no sustenance in the land. No food was available. He was willing to make a costly worship to God. You see, when worshipping either at the Lord's Supper or whenever, let us be careless. Let us not be uh, unprepared. Um, uh, you know, um, when we come to the breaking of bread, uh, it is a time when we come to worship God. Uh, and let us come with those with prepared hearts. Uh, let us come as those who are ready for worship. Throughout the week, we read the Bible, we study the Word, we learn more about His Son, that is what pleases God. And then on a Sunday morning when we come to the breaking of bread to remember the Lord, we offer our prayers to Him and we tell God about His Son, how wonderful He is what he has done for us, how much we appreciate him. That is worship. You see, um, let us be those that come with something prepared to offer God. We should not come on a Sunday morning to the breaking of bread with an empty basket. Our worship should be costly. It should have taken us time to prepare our worship that we offer to our God then only uh, our God will uh, appreciate the worship. He loves his people telling him about his son. He loves us to praise his son. Um, you see, our offering should be, our worship should be costly. You remember Mary of Bethany, what she offered to Christ, it says, was very costly. Let us make sure that our worship also is similarly prepared and costly. Now, uh, uh, I have nothing against hymns. I love hymns, and I think singing these hymns are wonderful. But uh, I personally feel that it is better uh, on top of the hymns to also worship in prayer. Because, you see, the hymns have been written by somebody else. And it's very easy to call out a number. but when you worship the Lord in prayer, it's even better, I feel, because it's our own words, not somebody else's words when we are worshiping God. Now, you see, if God came down to our house uh, and he wanted to have a meal with us, uh, if we got uh, a pizza, let's say, a takeaway, uh, uh, he will appreciate it, he would like it. But if we cook something with our own hands, prepare some, put some effort and cook some food, I think he will appreciate it even more because the effort put in is more costly in preparing the food. Would you agree with that? So the same way, when we come to offer our worship to God on a Sunday morning, let us come prepared, having spent time. Time is costly. It's very valuable commodity. Let us give our time for God. Let us give costly worship to our God. You remember what David said in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. Uh, he displayed a tremendous level of commitment when he said, Neither will I offer a burnt offering unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. So you see, Gideon was operating on that same principle. There was no food available in the land. So that is what he wanted to offer to God as his worship.
He wanted to offer something that was costly, that was unavailable. He didn't want to give God anything else. Now, I would like you to also notice in verse, the next verse, uh, verse 20, that the Lord gave instructions to Gideon regarding this offering. He says, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. You see, God has given us very specific instructions in how to worship him, how to bring our worship. Now, <clears throat> in this church here, I notice that we follow what the Bible says. In many other churches, for example, let me give you one example, they do not break bread every Sunday. The Bible says that on the first day of the week, they gathered to remember the Lord and to break in the breaking of bread. And here, these are being followed. This church here is following the word of God. And it is very important that we understand exactly what the word says and we do exactly what it says. Because if you notice in verse 20, at the last four words, it says, and he did so. And he did so. God gave a commandment. Gideon didn't alter it. Gideon didn't meddle with it. He did so. So that is why when the Bible has been given for instructions, many instructions, like the breaking of bread every Sunday, and we do so every Sunday. So let us be those that obey and follow God's word. Next, I would like you to notice that, uh, in fact, I will move on to um, uh, the next uh, portion here. Brother, would you mind reading for me uh, verses 25 to 27, please? Judges chapter 6, verses 25 to 27. Now it came to pass that same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household, the men of the city and the city too much, to do it by day, he did it by night. He was destined to accomplish much for God, but his first assignment, I noticed, was in his own backyard. He was instructed by God to strike a blow against idolatry, in his own household, in his father's house, God instructed him to first go down and tear down his father's idols. His father was a devotee of Baal. And Gideon was being called to defy family tradition and re-establish the worship of Jehovah. You see, if you want to be something special for God, it takes courage. You have to reverse 
unscriptural, unspiritual family traditions. What you have been taught, and this will take courage. Gideon was willing to do it. So Gideon's work for God first commenced in his home area. You see, it was the same with Samson. He went to the camp of Dan, which was his home territory when he started work. In Nehemiah's time, the priests repaired the walls of Jerusalem. It tells us in Nehemiah 3.28, every man over against his own house. So they repaired the wall right next to their house. The work started at home. The Lord Jesus said to the man of Gadara, go home to tell thy friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for me, done for thee. You see, the man was so happy that he had just been rescued by God, by the Lord. But what did the Lord say to him? Go home and tell thy friends. You see, never think about serving God at a distance without being diligent in your own home church first. Gideon was called by God to go back to his father's house and destroy Baal there, get working there, before God sent him out for greater things. Next, I noticed that even though his father was in verse 25, he was a, a Baal worshiper, by the time we get to verse 31, you can read it later, you will see that his father is now talking for Gideon. It seems that Gideon's courage had won over his father. So this is the next lesson. My brother, my sister, be encouraged that people whom you think are hopeless, uh, cases that cannot be influenced for good, you see, uh, they can be influenced for good. Gideon's father was a Baal worshiper, but when Gideon started working for God, God softened and changed his heart, and he started supporting his son. Do you remember the Lord's brothers? They were skeptical about the Lord. In fact, let's turn and have a look at this one. Uh, John chapter 7, please. Turn with me in your Bibles. John chapter 7 and verse 3. Uh, John chapter 7, verse 3, his brethren said unto him, Depart hence, go into Judea. In fact, I will shorten it. You can read it later. Verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. The Lord Jesus' own blood relatives, his brothers, did not believe in him. But turn with me now to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And in this uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 14, you see a list of people who were at the prayer meeting in the upper room. And right there at the end of verse 14, it says that his brethren were there in the prayer meeting at the end of verse 14. So never give up on anyone. The Lord's own brothers did not believe him a few chapters earlier, but here as soon as he has gone up, to heaven, there they were, they were believing, they were in the prayer meeting. 
Why? They must have seen the Lord at work. He would have moved in their hearts. Now they believed him. If they did not believe him, they wouldn't have been at the prayer meeting. Next, going back again to Judges chapter 6, I would like you to notice that um, uh, there was a tinge of fear in Gideon. Uh, but you know, uh, fear can be overcome. The reason I say that there was fear is because you notice that he started doing the work, but he was doing it in the night time. He, do, he was doing it in the night time because it says in verse 27, because he feared his father's household. But he did the job effectively. We see that Baal's altar was cast down, um, that uh, the grove that God asked him to cut down was cut down. And you see, uh, there, because Baal's altar was destroyed, it allowed an altar for God to be erected. Uh, you see, our God is someone who will never countenance a rival. He, he is a jealous God, the God that we worship. He, he demands our undivided devotion. He wanted Baal removed out of the picture because first, before they started working for him, he wanted their entire attention. He wanted them to be worshiping him. Before you start serving God, before he starts using you, remove those idols from your life. Just like Gideon did. Be someone who is obedient to God and puts him in first place. Is there something in your life that needs to be dealt with? Allow him the position of supremacy that our God demands. Next, I want you to notice that Gideon's first exploits were met with instant opposition. Uh, the men of the city were fanatical in their support for Baal because you can see in verse 28 that the men of the city arose early in the morning they noticed that Baal's statue was gone. So obviously, they were waking up early in the morning to go to pay homage to their idols. You see, the Philistines, we are told, they were equally uh, fanatical, devoted to their fish god, Dagon, because they too were in attendance in the temple early in the morning. It tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 5. Why is it that these pagan people showed such commitment to their gods by waking up early in the morning? Let us also be Christians that wake up early in the morning, first thing in our lives, in our day. Let us first pay homage to our God. If these others are willing to do it for their gods, we should be those that do it to ours because our God is the one true God. Now I see here that my time is up, so I will continue the rest on um, Wednesday. Uh, uh, just to recap uh, what we saw today, that background and status don't qualify or disqualify us from service. See yourself as having potential for God. Gideon came from and Baal worshiping poor household. Remember, 
that God calls busy people, not lazy people. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Gideon was willing to thresh and find his food. Let us also search for our food from the word of God. Remember that Gideon was comfortable when the angel appeared. He was familiar with divine presence when God drew near. Let us also be those that have a close relationship with him so that we are comfortable in his presence. Remember that anyone who did anything for God went with the promise that I will be with thee. And these ancient promises extend to our day today because he says, lo, I am with you always. Hold on to these promises. And then uh, remember that there are occasions when God makes plea to individuals. The Lord is with thee. Let us be available and ready for God when he comes and calls us. Remember that when the command was given to go, Jonah fled the opposite direction. Philip, he did what God was called him. Here Gideon was told to go and do something, and he did. When you are asked to do something for God, make sure that you're ready to do it for him. Remember that Gideon was aware of his humble origins. He was a humble man. He, was, uh, uh, he did not go out proudly ready to do God's word. In fact, he reminded himself and God that he was nothing. Let us also be aware of our insignificance. Most important, remember that before he commenced his worship, he had, a, uh, before he commenced his service, he had a desire to worship God. And remember that at a time of shortage and famine, what he did, the offering, the worship that he gave, food, it was a costly worship. And then remember that Gideon's work for God commenced in his home area. Make sure that you are also, uh, before you think about serving God at a distance, that you first serve diligently in your own home church. Remember, never to give up on anyone because God won Gideon's father over. Remember that our God is a jealous God. He demands our undivided attention. He wanted Baal removed out of the way first. Remember that if these pagans were willing to rise up early in the morning, we should be willing to rise up early in the morning and give time for our God first thing in the day before we do anything else. Amen. Do I close in prayer? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank thee again uh, for this evening where thou hast given for us to come and spend time as a company of thy people, study thy word. We thank thee for each and every one that is present here this evening. We can see the great interest, our Father, uh, that uh, these believers are showing by coming here this evening. And we thank thee, uh, thank you for their uh, dedication to thee, our Father. And we pray, our Father, that, uh, uh, that when the call of God comes, that there will be brothers and sisters here who are willing to take up the challenge and be used of thee, our Father. We thank thee again for these examples from scripture that are given to us for our learning. And we pray, our Father, that we may humbly apply them to our lives. 
Part us now with thy blessings, we ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen.